We interrupt your regularly scheduled program for a special announcement. The United States is headed for an entitlement crisis. Social Security and Medicare are going broke. You are going to have to pay the bill. You are going to have to pay the bill. Welcome to the Debt Dialogues, where you'll learn about the coming entitlement crisis, how it affects you, and what you can do about it. Debt Dialogues. Here's your host, Ayn Rand Institute Fellow, Don Watkins. So I'm here with Yaron Brook, the president of the Ayn Rand Institute and co-author of my first book, Free Market Revolution, How Ayn Rand's Ideas Can End Big Government. And uh, earlier today, I was chatting with Yaron about a topic that he's been speaking and uh, studying recently, inequality. And about 15, 20 minutes into the conversation, it occurred to me that we should be recording this. There was so much good material. So uh, we're now sitting down in Yaron's office. And so let's dive right in. Yaron, inequality has become one of the main issues today with President Obama giving a very famous speech on it, the left bringing it up all the time. Uh, and a new book uh, addressing the future we're allegedly facing due to inequality by Thomas Piketty called Capital. Why has inequality become such a big issue in the last few years? Well, I think that, I think that ultimately this is the culmination of, of, of kind of the leftist project in the United States that's been going on since the progressive era. I mean, all of the statist interventions in the U.S. economy be motivated by one way or another by uh, an appeal to the problems of inequality, whether it was antitrust, we wanted to bring down the good companies to, to make them more like everybody else, or whether it was the massive redistribution of wealth programs that wanted to take money from some and give to others. This, is always, uh, this has always been uh, at kind of the forefront of the debate. In a sense, this is Marx. Marxist view of the world uh, merged with kind of a, a you know with with modern the modern view of altruism. It's it's an ongoing process of trying to erode capitalism and trying to erode the American spirits and the American way of life. And I, so I think it's building and it's been building for decades. And and I think what's happened what's happened is a combination of things. I think that to some extent the left felt like. In the 80s and 90s, the world got away from them. Uh, Berlin Wall came down, and uh, the economies of, of the United States and then of Asia boomed. And they boomed as they were being deregulated, as they were being freed up, as they were doing everything that the left has been saying, oh, no, 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 this can't happen. And uh, it, it, it seemed like, and, and many commentators on the right and on the left claim, you know, capitalism has won. There was a book called The End of History because capitalism won. It was just going to be capitalist, you know, his interpretation of capitalism, a kind of a mixed economy capitalism uh, was going to dominate the future. And then I think the financial crisis happened and the left suddenly realized that they had this golden opportunity. Capitalism was, was uh, you know, being uh, – Blame for everything that happened, for all the problems in the world, all the wealth that had been created over the last 30 years since the 1980s, the Reagan administration. It seemed from a very perceptual level to be quite concentrated in the hands of a few. They seemed to be very rich people. Uh, president Obama was elected, I think, the first president in American history who is – 
a kind of a committed new left candidate who's committed to the kind of the the ideology of the new left, uh, committed to these ideas uh, of uh, that inequality is is a fundamental problem. I think everything came together over the last six years to provide them with an opportunity to to, to regain the moral economic high ground after it was, in a sense, uh, they were defeated by the fall of the Berlin Wall and by the success of Reagan and Thatcher's policies. And they've just jumped over it, all over it. And, and really, Obama has set the pace with uh, his declarations that you know, inequality is the issue of our time. You didn't build that. Uh, you know, his, his insistence that the minimum wage be raised and that that was an important issue. And then the intellectuals have followed, whether it's Paul Krugman on a constant, consistent basis raising these issues of inequality everywhere, in every place that he could. And then, um, and then finally this book coming out, uh, a book that, that is written by a French economist, Thomas, Thomas Piketty, and is uh, in the New York Times bestseller list, and uh, people are buying it. It's, it's, it's a well-written book. It uh, connects economics to literature, and you know, he writes well. It's got a nice style to it. And uh, it's a book that the left has just embraced because it is arguing what the left wants to argue, which is inequality is a real problem. It's a problem that's going to get worse and that it has to be dealt with with draconian measures. And, you know, we can talk about the kind of things that he he, he prescribes for, for dealing with inequality. And basically we need to knock these accumulators of capital, the rich, uh, the 1%, uh, off of their pedestal. Of course, this all looks up to Occupy Wall Street. And, I mean, it's, it's really the last six years of really be building up uh, to this. But this is a phenomena that has really uh, been engaged in in decades. Well, on the one hand, it's not too surprising they would gravitate to this issue because it allow. I mean, it's very tied to the left's view that capitalism is bad, that business is basically bad. Um, but on the other hand, it's a political political loser, at least today in the United States. So why do you think the left has really chosen to rally around this issue when, by all counts, Americans are not too concerned about inequality. Well, and I think this is why they're doing it. Americans are not concerned about inequality. The poll after poll shows that Americans say they don't care. Um, and, and this is very different than Europeans, where this is the where the left has won this debate. Uh, Europeans care mostly about inequality. When, when Europeans are asked... And actually, in many classrooms in the U.S., you get the same result. If, you, if, if, if people are asked, what would you rather have, uh, $1,000 and your neighbor gets $1,000 as well, or $2,000 and your neighbor gets $5,000? Most Europeans say they'd rather take the $1,000 just to keep their neighbor down, right? Because in the second option, the neighbor does better than them, and they find that unacceptable. Unfortunately, many, in a, many American classrooms, you get the same thing. So the, I, I think the left realizes that this is one of the last remnants of the American sense of life. This is the last one of the last remnants of American individualism. Uh, you didn't build that. It doesn't really resonate with Americans. 
uh, inequality doesn't really resonate as a problem with Americans. And I think what the left is trying to do is a big push here to change that. And they are counting on the fact that uh, decades of public education uh, makes Americans pretty ignorant. Decades of massive redistribution of wealth uh, makes Americans, uh, le- uh, you know, less sensitive to uh, to objecting to these kind of issues because they've given in, in a sense, so many times. They're counting on the fact that capitalism was discredited by the financial crisis. At least that many Americans believe that. Uh, they're counting on the on on the educational institutions, and this is why every reviewer, every newspaper, every thinker on the left has come out, and even if they are critical of of this book by Thomas Piketty, they praise it to the hilt and and they encourage it because they realize this is their one chance of really attacking the core of what is preventing them from completely taking over this country. And that is the, the American sense of life, the sense of individualism, the sense of, uh, of achievement. So it's an all-out war on, uh, on America, on, on what it means to be American. And again, I think another reason is for the first time they have the bully pulpit on this. They really have a president who's completely on board with their agenda and completely committed to their ideas. So let's come back to the role that this is playing in America in a second. But I just want to get your view. Is inequality a problem? So not qua inequality. Inequality generally is just a, it's a meaningless term. It doesn't it – doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't, of course there's inequality. Inequality is metaphysical. There has to be inequality. There's no way for there to be equality. So – and, and the fact is, morally, economically, the fact that some people are rich does not come at the expense of other people. On the contrary, uh, in a free market, people get rich by creating values, values that we all benefit from. So people get rich not on our backs, but by making us better off, by providing us with values. So it's, it truly is, free markets truly are win-win. So there is no sense in which um, one uh, should resent the rich in, in, in a free market. There's no sense in, what, in, in which it matters what your relative wealth is towards somebody else. The only thing that matters from a, from a proper ethical perspective and a proper economic perspective is how am I doing? Uh, you know, how, do I, how do I succeed? How do I make my life the best life that it can be? And am I free to do that? So in that sense, the, the, there is no issue here. However, they, the left is leveraging off of real problems that do exist in the U.S. economy today. Uh, and they are framing those problems in the context of inequality. And what are some of those problems? And there are many, but the, but the main problem is the mixed economy. And, and it, it's interesting, of course, that the, the left blames everything on capitalism. But all of the elements that are problematic, that are really problematic, that they are identifying, that they pretend – We'll get to back to the pretend they pretend to care about are actually problems of the mixed economy. Um, the level of poverty in the United States hasn't changed for 40 years since since the war on poverty was started. Um, it's much more difficult today if you're if you're poor to rise into middle class and and, and to become wealthy. It's much more difficult today if you're if you're middle class to make a living. Uh, two-income families today in the United States need, uh, are necessary 
to maintain status in the middle class. That was not true uh, in the past. They, they, you know, the real cost uh, of advancing, the real, the real cost of attaining a high standard of living have increased. Um, it's, it's just life in many respects economically is harder. Now, there, there are many other respects to which, which much easier, but one gets the sense, and I think the American people get the sense that everything's slow. So, so for example, the, the left points out that economic growth now is low and it's going to stay low because this is the nature of capitalism and this is going to exacerbate inequality. And there's a sense in which low growth – I mean, we all agree that low growth is bad. It, it, it makes it makes uh, uh, it makes advancing economically more difficult. It makes uh, moving from poverty into middle class or middle class above harder because there's less economic activity that one can leverage for oneself. So low economic growth. Of course, they blame it on capitalism, but it's not. It, it, again, it's the mixed economy. So, uh, so all these the, all these, and then there's then there's the fact that there's cronyism out there, which again they associate with inequality. The, the rich gain political power, and then have money redistributed in their direction. And cronyism indeed does exist. So they use that as, look, the, the, here's a real problem of inequality. This is what happens when the rich get really rich and, and they get to redistribute wealth in their direction. And then there's a the whole issue of redistribution of wealth. And, and there are massive redistributions of wealth. And part of the challenge is that it's very, very hard to tell in which direction the wealth is being redistributed, given the mixed economy. So let's take all these issues. And, I, and while they blame them all on capitalism, and, and capitalism is, is, is always, we live in a capitalist society, any, any phenomena we identify today as existing is capitalism, any crisis that happens is capitalism. So they have no, they never define capitalism. There's no conception of what capitalism really means. But if capitalism is really free markets, free of government control and government regulation, then of course we don't live under capitalism. So then to the extent that there are these problems of, of income mobility, of, of uh, redistribution of wealth, they're problems of the mixed economy. And, and, and let's just take a few examples. It's much more difficult today to start a business in the United States. So there's less business creation. There's a lot fewer firms being started today than, than 20, 30 years ago. And you know per capita, and and the reason for that is I think it's it's clear it's it's uh, regulations at the state level, regulations at the local level, and regulations at the federal level. Many businesses, small businesses, that start, fewer of them grow and become big businesses to compete with the other big businesses. Again, the same reasons: regulations, controls, taxes, distortions, government intervention. Um, why don't the poor rise up in the middle class? I mean, you, Don, have done a lot of work on this. Uh, the entitlement state, in in a sense, conditions them not to rise, Con you know, conditions them, takes away the idea of this is my life, I'm responsible for it, I'm going to make the most of it, and says, no, I'm just going to live off the state and be passive about it because that's a possibility now. So it destroys ambition. Uh, the minimum wage, one of the left's favorite things, you know, increases unemployment, uh, among uh, unskilled uh, youth, uh, so they never get their first job. And then there's the whole redistribution of the, mix, of the mixed economy. And i just go over this quickly because some of it's obvious and some of it's not so obvious. Of course, there's a redistribution that you talk about, which is from young to old, whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicare. But then there's the redistribution from rich to poor, which is taxes and welfare and, and everything else. 
there's, I think most of the entitlements constitute redistribution from middle class to everybody. Uh, but then there's what the Federal Reserve, for example, is doing in the last five years, which I would argue is massive redistribution from the poor and the middle class to the wealthy. Because the poor and middle class, their cost of living is going up because of inflation and because of the higher cost of of living because of all the, the money, in a sense, that the Federal Reserve is creating. But that money flows first into the banking system and through the banking system into financial assets, which are primarily held by the wealthy. So there's – and, and that's just the beginnings, right? There's all these directions in which wealth is being redistributed that is that is that that gives people a sense, I think a, a somewhat legitimate sense out there, that, hey, this isn't fair. Something's not right. Uh, you know, it, it, it's – it's uh, – whatever the distribution of wealth is, it's not based on a free market. It's not based on people's ability. It's not based just on productivity. It's based on other kind of stuff. And how do I get that stuff? Or well, it's political pull or friends at the Fed or stocks and because the return on capital is higher or whatever. So there is this sense of frustration among Americans, and I think that's where they get – they get legitimacy for their claim. That's why their claims are not just thrown out by Americans and say, well, that's ridiculous. It's because the mixed economy has made such a mush, such a uh, – it's so hard conceptually to separate what's real and what's not, what's just and what's unjust. And as a consequence, Americans, I think, justifiably have this sense something is awful and the left is coming in saying, we, we can tell you what's awful. We can, we, can, we can tell you exactly what the problem is and we've got a solution for it. So I want to just hit that again and stress it because it like what's going on is they're taking legitimate issues and then all framing them as either consequences or aspects of inequality and what why is that uh, a why does that become plausible to people and b what is the consequence if we start accepting that framework well, I think the plausibility of it comes from, from two things. Well, three, three actually. One um, is that you know economics is hard and uh, economics can be complicated and these guys start talking this off and they, they make stuff up and they, they lie. Uh, and it's hard to understand why what they're saying is wrong. And, and there's almost unanimity around this. There, the left dominates our educational institutions. They dominate the intellectual life, which means that they, you know, that they they dominate the discussion. There really is no opposition or no substantial opposition. Second, is that when there is opposition, it's weak, and, and we'll, you know, it's 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 just not serious. It's it usually uh, accepts the premise. It usually and then quibbles about the details. Uh, it. It presents its arguments in economic terms that are just as impossible to understand as the as the other sides, um, but it fundamentally it accepts the moral framework, and and this is really the heart of it, right? It's it's the third point, and what they're really leveraging is the altruism of the culture, is the accepted moral code that Americans have accepted implicitly. That uh, or, or implicitly and explicitly, they don't live it. It hasn't affected their sense of life completely yet, but this is what they believe, and they believe in altruism. They believe that you don't really have a right to your own life morally. That your purpose in life is to serve others, is to help the poor, is to is to sacrifice. 
yourself for, for some greater good. And it, this entire debate leverages exactly that. I mean, uh, uh, the businessmen, the wealthy, the, 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 the people who have the capital clearly are self-interested. And that's, that can be right. That's wrong. That's morally uh, contemptuous. So, so that, that kind of appeals to that, uh, to that morality, to the morality of altruism. And they can point to people suffering and they can point to problems and they can point to distress and, and people are feeling that distress because they're living that distress. And wait a minute, how, how come these rich guys are, 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 are doing what they're doing and, but I need stuff and, and altruism has taught them that need is a moral claim and if they need stuff, somebody should give it to them. And, and they see other people who need stuff and yet these very wealthy people who don't need anything. They, they have everything. They have more than they need. Uh, why aren't they giving more? What, and it can't be right. So altruism sets us up that inequality is bad because, you know, you should give until it hurts, which means you should give until you're at least equal to everybody else, if not worse off than everybody else. Because if, if somebody else is worse off than you, then your moral, your, your moral duty is to help the person who's worse than you. So altruism demands equality of outcome. Altruism demands that we punish those who have for the sake of those who don't have. So again, it, 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 the left plays off of that and it gives, they, they gain credibility from the fact that altruism has them all high ground. And nobody, nobody challenges that, right? The right certainly doesn't challenge that. Nobody on the left challenges that. The, the morality of altruism is everywhere. And even though, and, and I'll, I'll talk about more this about in a minute, even though the left's agenda never, never actually um, results in, uh, in what they claim will happen, right? It, it never actually helps the poor. It never reduces unemployment. It never actually makes life better. Nobody questions them about it because everybody, nobody questions altruism. Nobody questions programs for the poor. Nobody ever questions redistribution of wealth. Of course, we have to penalize some for the sake of others. Of course, we have to sacrifice some for the sake of the needs of others, even if their needs ultimately are not satisfied. The intentions are good, and what counts are the intentions, and the intentions are altruistic, and therefore the program is a good program. So you started to touch on this, but I want to get at what then, what is the left's goal here? You've mentioned, for instance, that by bringing in inequality, uh, you you know, they make Americans more suspicious of success and of capitalism. Um, they, what they're, they would say, in effect, look, inequality threatens our well-being, particularly the well-being of the poor. So I take it that you don't agree that that's what's going on, that they're, that they're just confused about the means to the, the right end. Yeah, so one of the most astounding things about the whole inequality debate, and, and Piketty's book in, in particular – is that there's no discussion of the actual well-being of the poor in, in any of the book or the, or, the, or the lower end of this inequality problem, an actual discussion of that lower end, because the historical facts are unequivocal. Capitalism, freedom, 
um, unequal societies have resulted in incredible progress for the poor. Indeed, the greatest progress anywhere on the planet. So the 19th century, which Piketty condemns and which the left thinks is the most horrific period in human history, is also the period in which more poor people rose up into the middle class, where, where people went from subsistence living into living relatively comfortably uh, with the ability to, 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 to actually uh, have a life uh, and not be, not be completely uh, uh, tied to a piece of land and to subsistence farming for the first time in human history. Uh, so the, this 19th century is one of the greatest epochs in, in human history in terms of raising the poor up. And indeed, the last 30 years outside of the West, if you look at Asia and even certain parts of Africa, have seen more people rise out of poverty than ever in human history by a long shot. It's not even close. And why? Because of economies like in China, like in uh, the Asian tigers, like in many parts of Asia, where they've allowed for economic freedom, the exact opposite of what, of what, uh, of what the left wants. And not only allowed for economic freedom, but the result is inequality. That is, uh, uh, I don't know, a South Korean society was far more equal before World War II than they are today. But today, everybody's richer, including the poor, much, much, much richer than they ever were before. But they don't care about that. There's no discussion of the state of, of, of where the poor are. Uh, and it's and, and that to me is is incredibly revealing. They 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 don't they don't seem to care about the lower end of the distribution. They don't care that much about the middle class. What they really care about and what keeps coming back is what they care about is the rich. What they want to do is pull the rich down. What they want to do is punish the wealthy. Uh, and and Piketty is very clear on this. He, he proposes, for example, one of his proposals, which, which many leftist commentators in the U.S. have said, oh, this is wonderful. If only it could happen. But of course it can, so we have to think of other things, is a wealth tax. So I think it's 1% of your wealth above 250000 and then 10% of your wealth above a million or something like that. So a huge wealth tax, annual, not one time. Every year you get this. Um, and he says... It's not going to raise a lot of revenue. And he never mentions what he's going to do with the money. That is, give it to the poor or something. No. He says the only purpose of this is to reduce inequality by penalizing the wealthy, by pulling them down. He never makes an argument. I mean, he has the science fiction kind of argument that if things continue as they are, the wealthy will accumulate all the wealth in the world and we'll be all dirt poor. But it's so ridiculous an argument that even his, even his allies on the left have, have dismissed that. But he never makes an argument for why inequality is economically bad, or why it doesn't work, or what, what the problem with inequality is, uh, how it hurts the poor, how it hurts the middle class. All he's saying is it's just unacceptable that the rich are really rich. He, he actually, in his introduction, he writes that he's trying to be neutral, that he's an economist, that he has no, he, he comes into this with no pre-existing. And then he says stuff like, well, but we know that it's uh, morally unacceptable that, the, that we have this enormous inequality, that the rich are so rich. What is really revealed here is their agenda has nothing to do with poor people, has nothing to do with economic mobility, has nothing to do with the middle class. Their agenda has everything to do with pulling down success, with destroying the successful. And that's, that's really, at the end of the day, I think what motivates the left and what's behind the left, 
they don't believe they're not altruistic in the sense of they want to sacrifice some people for the sake of other people with the idea that other people, these other people are the beneficiaries and, and that's who they really care about. They don't care about the meek. They don't care about the poor. They don't – what they – they are there to get people to sacrifice, period. They're there to get people to suffer, period. They're there to destroy and knock down. And altruism is just a rationalization. It's, it's, it's an they need a, they need a morality, right? There's no morality of nihilism. So they need a, mo- a morality to justify their nihilism, to, to hide their nihilism, to rationalize their nihilism. But, but the left is really dedicated. And Ayn Rand said this in the 1960s about the new left. And, and what we're seeing today really is, is the, the political and intellectual victory of the new left. I mean, they, they, they have the presidency. Uh, they, they run the Senate. And, and the new left today dominates. Paul Krugman is the prime example, the intellectual life of America. The new left has risen from the hippie status of the 60s to the ivy tower and the, the political ivy tower. And and their agenda is destruction, hatred of success, hatred of the good for being the good, and and this whole inequality is about envy. It's about it's about hatred. It's about destruction. Yeah, I just want to connect that quickly because a lot of what we focus on here is on Social Security and Medicare, and one of the comebacks when I make that point about the motivation of welfare status is well, look, these are middle class entitlements. They're, you know, these were the first things in the welfare state. They're not particularly directed at the rich. But what the hatred of success is more broadly, it's a hatred of independence. It's a hatred of the person yeah. who doesn't want to serve society and doesn't want to be served by society, wants to live his own life, pursue his own interests. And so it's it, success is just one particularly notable form of the person who's being independent and self-supporting. And what they what they hate is people who don't need them and don't want to give them a bunch of power. Yes, and but it, yeah, so... You know, the nihilism manifests in power lust, and that's exactly they want power. But but what they hate is ability, ambition, and that's what these programs are geared to destroy. Now, the manifestation of that power and ambition is wealth. So they want to destroy that wealth. But they also want to destroy the young kid who wants to be successful in life. Why else would they advocate for minimum wage, right? Minimum wage to me is the most naked example of this. Minimum wage just illustrates that what they're really after is is the destruction of young, poor kids who want to actually work hard and make something of their life and rise up. Uh, Medicare and, and Social Security are aimed at destroying the ability of the middle class to rise. Because who, who suffers for Medicare and, and, and Social Security? Who pays the bulk of those taxes? It's the middle class. It's a huge chunk. The wealthy don't pay that much because it's not a huge chunk of their total income or total wealth. But it's a huge chunk of the middle class's wealth and, and income. So instead of investing that money, instead of starting a business, instead of putting it into the stock market where they could have got a fabulous return, instead of doing productive stuff with that money – 12.5% plus whatever it is uh, with Medicare. So 18% of, their, 18% of their income is gone. And that's a big chunk for, for somebody, you know, a, a young couple who's, or professionals or, you know, they've got decent income. They're going to do okay in life. But this prevents them from taking that leap from okay to doing great. And it's exactly those people that Medicare and Social Security and so on, even though they're viewed as middle class entitlements, they're middle class shackles. They're middle class – the ways in which to shackle the middle class – 
to it to a lower standard of living to prevent them from really being successful. But again, particularly those of them who are ambitious. It, it, it's again, it's virtue that they hate, right? It's 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 the good for being the good. Wealth is just one manifestation of, of virtue. There, there are many manifestations of virtue, and they hate all of them. So so they're willing. They're willing to knock down poor people. They're willing to knock down. And this is why Piketty says, I, you know, it's not a lot of money. So, you know, the redistribution of it doesn't affect uh, the poor that much. But he's not trying to help the poor. He doesn't care about the poor one way or the other. On the contrary, he would love to keep down the poor because he wants to keep down all of everything about mankind. Now, I think the bigger difficulty here is to comprehend that people, anybody thinks this way. This is so evil. This is so nasty that people can't imagine it. They can't imagine that the people out there who actually think this way. And, and it's, the, you know, it's just like we can't imagine that, that Nazis would do what they did, that people actually, that middle-class Germans would sit there in a machine gun and just mow people down just because they were Jews or Russians or whatever. Um, we can't, it's very hard to comprehend evil. Good people have a very hard time comprehending evil. And the fact is that evil people have a hard time holding their evil. So that most of these people, they hold it as a rationalization, even in their own minds. They hold altruism as the rationalization. They're doing this for the sake of the poor. But when they express themselves, you can see they don't really believe that, right? And emotionally, the way it expresses itself is not so much in... I want to knock stuff down. I want to destroy, but I want power. Um, so, and I want power to do good, right? That's the rationalization. I want power to do good, but they, they rationalize it. I'm really, really smart, and these people out there are stupid. They, they're idiots. They don't know how to live. If you give me the power, I'll help everybody live a better life. That's how they rationalize it to themselves. That's how they can hold this evil, which should drive them crazy, like, like James Taggart goes crazy and Atlas Shrugged. But but they don't they don't hold the evil whole. They they hold this bunch of rationalizations instead. But it's evil that drives them. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a show at some point just about the nature of evil because I think it's so illuminating and Ayn Rand's view of it goes so deep, but it's really it took me a long time to see it in reality, not just in novels. But I think you're right. Once you grasp it, and it's really hard to grasp, and she thought it was really hard yep. to grasp. Uh, indeed, in Atlas Shrugged, one of the key turning points of the plot is the difficulty of grasping that point by Dagny Taggart. Um, well, but, and Reardon, he can't imagine what motivates his family. He can't comprehend it. You know, it's so hard. Um, but let's turn then to the fact is that most Americans have don't have any ounce of that kind of hostility towards success and virtue. So... What is what makes them susceptible to this whole line of argument? Well, first of all, again, I think it's coming. I think, unfortunately, I think America's changing, and I think with young people today, there's much more of this envy, there's much more of this resentment of wealth, there's much more of this of this attitude. So, so I do think that the left is making progress. So, you know, environmentalism. There's a lot of there's a lot that has gone into the last few decades in, in softening up the American culture uh, for this. But um, so I think, I think, I think America is more ripe for this argument than, than maybe ever before. 
And I think that the economic state we're in today makes them most susceptible to it, the frustration, their anxiety, their anxiety about the future, the, the idea that the American dream is, is lost. I think uh, so many Americans hold that, and so they're looking for alternative ideas, which, which opens it up for the left. Um, so I think more than ever, um, there, there is openness to them. There's also a certain appeal. I mean, again, it's, it's – it's, uh, the left's ability to steal concepts and, and, and distort them and pervert them. But Americans like the idea of equality in a sense, right? It's in our founding documents. All men are created equal. Um, Americans want a sense of, 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 of fairness, of equal – I mean the, the right talks about equal opportunity. And there's a sense in which you know, Americans want that. They want to feel like, yeah, you could really make it. And, and – um, and, of course, that's the perversion. Equality has a legitimate meaning. It's not the meaning of the left. It's not even the meaning of equality of opportunity. But it is this idea of equality of rights, equality of freedom, equality of liberty, equality before the law, which is the, the founding fathers' idea of equality. And what the left is doing is leveraging that emotional attitude that says, yeah, we, we believe in equality, and we, but we don't understand what that means because Americans are non-intellectual. And leveraging that to this discussion of inequality, and on top of that, the sense of unfairness that is associated with bailouts, that's associated with cronyism, that's associated with massive redistribution of wealth, which is associated with, with yeah, the rich seem to be getting richer without doing anything because stocks just keep going up even though the economy is a mess. So there's definitely legitimate frustrations that Americans are feeling and, and that the left is capitalizing on, and they're using a term equality which resonates positively with Americans with a completely different meaning, but they're not intellectual enough and they're not conceptual enough to understand it. So we're starting to wrap up, but there's a, uh, before we get to kind of the, a final perspective, and I do want to touch at least on how is the right, the conventional right, the mainstream right, tried to deal with this issue and – why don't you think it's very effective? Well, the problem fundamentally with the conventional right is that it accepts altruism as the standard. And implicitly, it accepts that there is a certain level of inequality that's unacceptable. And then the argument is, what is that level and have we reached it? Uh, so you see arguments like – so they argue a lot about the data. There's a huge arguments about – did they do the math right? Did they do the statistics right? Is inequality getting worse or isn't it? Is, you know, there's a whole literature about, oh, well, income inequality is getting worse, but consumption inequality is not, which is true. So, so the poor are actually consuming more the, uh, as compared to in the past because there's more redistribution of wealth in their direction. Although that, again, that might have changed in the last few years. Um, there's arguments with Piketty about how he dissected the data. There's huge arguments. I mean, Piketty's book is riddled with problems, but there's huge argument about his methodology, the way he defines capitalism, what it means to say a rate of return on capital, which is core to his thesis. Um, all these arguments about economic, and then there's, and then okay, so even then, there's a lot of economic arguments about the economics of it. Does the, is inequality an economic problem? And again. So it's all about the, the, the mechanics. Now, the economic arguments, I think, are valuable and important, but even there, most people on the right don't make the right economic arguments. You, you have to really have a perspective of 
um, that the whole economic approach to having a question about inequality is wrong. There is no question of inequality in, 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 in economics. There is no question of distribution of wealth in economics. Uh, economics is not a macro subject like that. Economics is about individual wealth creation. It's about the conditions and the, and, the, and the circumstances and the process by which wealth is created. It's not about, okay, we have a static world in which there is wealth, now who gets what? That's not economics. That's bogus political science, but it's, it's, it's certainly not economics. And what Piketty does and the whole aggregation, you know, capital in the economy, there's no such thing as capital in the economy. This, I have some capital. You have some capital. You might deploy it. I might not. If I don't deploy the capital, is it capital anymore? If it just sits there, right? So the whole conception of these ideas, these aggregate variables, is just is just so bogus. And and yet the right gets into discussions about this and debates and about this. But what the right and, and, and what the right accepts fundamentally is that a it's a legitimate topic, and b that yeah there is a level of inequality that would be unacceptable and then we'd have to do something about it. So. They miss the fundamental, A, because they don't want to call the left what they really are, power-lusting nihilists, and B, because they accept the rationalization. They accept altruism, and they accept the fact that the rich owe this to the poor. They just want to do it. If you're a libertarian, you just say, I just want to do it voluntarily. I don't want to do it voluntarily or involuntarily. The rich don't owe the poor anything. The rich, you know, the productive, the people who've created stuff. Don't owe anybody anything. They might choose to help. They might choose to help some people and not help others. But that, that's not the central issue in, in economy or, or life or anything is what, what you know, is, is, uh, is uh, what you do for the poor. So they've accepted altruism. You know, and the conservatives want to redistribute wealth. They just want to redistribute less wealth. Um, so they, they completely miss the moral argument and they miss the real motivation of the left. And they won't call it for what it really is. Which is, you know, just arguments out of envy and and and, uh, and nihilism. So wrapping up, then, what do we what do we need to do in order to counter this line of argument? And what happens if we don't do it? So I really think that we need to make them all argument. We need to make them all argument for individualism and for capitalism. The left's attack is a funnel attack on those two ideas, on, on the idea of individualism and the idea of capitalism. And those two ideas need a, a defense, and, and really Ayn Rand is the only one who can defend it. Objectivism is the only one who can provide a proper defense of individualism. Your life is your own, uh, and, uh, and it's yours to live as, 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 uh, uh, as you rationally uh, – based on your rational values. And it, it, you, you're not owned by the community. You're not owned by the poor. Somebody else's need is not a claim against you. All these moral ideas are revolutionary and they're unconventional. And, and you know, and, and, but these are the ideas that have to be advocated for. Because think about it. Uh, if all I care about is me, I, a morality of self-interest, if all I care about is me, I don't care that somebody else is richer than I am. I just care about how rich I am and how, how happy I am and how successful I am. The whole orientation is towards how am I doing in life, not relative to others, but how am I doing in life? If you're an altruist, the whole orientation is how am I doing relative to others because if somebody else has more than me, then he owes me. If I have more than somebody else, then I own him. 
So my relative position in society is very, very important because it determines whether I owe or I'm owed to and who I should go claim what from and who's going to come and knocking on my door and claim stuff for me. So it, it becomes necessarily social, a social orientation, orientation, a relative orientation, orientation towards the so-called problem of inequality. Individualists, people who are oriented towards their own lives, towards their own happiness, wouldn't even consider the issue of inequality. So that is the fundamental. One has to fight for a morality of self-interest, and, and ha one has to denounce altruism for the evil that it really is, the, the idea that you don't live – your life is not yours. What about addressing the legitimate issues? Yeah, so, so in that – so that's one. So the, and the second is one has to defend capitalism, and one has to separate – what exists today from real free markets and show that whatever legitimate issues really exist out there, they are the consequence of the mixed economy. They are the consequence of altruism as applied in the economic realm. They are a consequence both of bad morality and bad economic policy. But to do that, one first has to be able to illustrate a vision of what capitalism is, of what the alternative is, and then show how everything we have today is a perversion of that. So that you can't blame anything on capitalism. You can't say that capitalism failed. You can't blame the lack of social mobility, let's say, or income mobility today on capitalism because there is no capitalism. So then the question is, what are the real causes? What are the fundamental causes? And, and to show how it is statism uh, and, and collectivism and altruism that are the causes of all those and that the way to address them, the way to deal with them, the way to solve those problems is to get rid of, uh, of these ideas, to get rid of these policies. And if we don't? Well, if we don't, I think America's history, and, and of course I think this is exactly what the left is hoping. I really do believe Obama is the first anti-American president. I think our intellectual class are anti-American by their very nature. And, and I think this is the this, – if, if we don't wake up, if we don't fight against this inequality – idea, then we will become Europe. Europe is a place where inequality is not tolerated, where you are socially shunned if you drive a nicer car than your neighbor, where, uh, you, you know, uh, sticking, uh, sticking out is, is not a good idea. And I think as a consequence, in spite of the so-called pseudo-happiness studies, people are miserable in Europe, and, and Europe is not a pleasant place to live, and Europe is um, is in, I think, in social, economic, cultural, absolute decay. And that's what America can expect if it doesn't uh, reject this notion of egalitarianism, of equality, uh, and, uh, and ultimately of nihilism. If, if we don't reject it, the left will get what they want. They'll destroy ability, success, and progress. My guest today is Yaron Brook. Yaron, thank you for being part of the Debt Dialogues. Thank you. Well, there's no wrap-up today, but I do want to encourage you guys to review this podcast on iTunes. It helps us get heard by more people. And as always, you can follow our work at endthedebtdraft.com or facebook.com slash debtdraft. See you next time. Debt Dialogues is property of the Ayn Rand Institute. Its content is intended for private use only.